I did get to see a giant. Um, he was massive. He was kind of a light blue, uh, white hair and like kind of, I would say they were green, hazel, but blue at the same time, um, eye color, but he wasn't moving. He was just laying on the ground. And there was this reversed Tesla technology cage over him. He was just hovering over him. I mean, he wasn't moving, but you could see, I guess, his essence. They were drawing out his essence, his life and whatever, um, instead of enhancing it. They were reverse engineering his soul away or whatever giants have. Um, and they told us, but it was very sad to see that because obviously that one's not here anymore, but I got to see one of those and it was devastating. But yeah, you can't get close to those particular type of angels um, because you'll explode. So so tell us, how, how tall was this giant? Uh, he was, I don't even know because he's laying down. Uh, I would say at least 20, 30 feet. Wow, that's that's quite tall. And yeah. I mean, he was was he thin? Was he robust? No, very thin, very thin. Uh, looked almost to the point of starvation. But again, I don't know how long he had been in that chamber. Um, there was no chains or any restrictions on him. They, I don't know if they kept him drugged or what they did, but uh, you could just see this the light kind of energy coming sucking out of him like water waves into this tesla machine mm -hmm. so i mean you know what they're doing but they sit there and they tell you these guys are evil and they're trying to kill you but when they're laying there looking at you lifeless that's fascinating uh, so his life force was being drained out of him so they they were intending to to kill him right uh, but you know this was some kind of experiment as well seeing how well their technology used on these beings and I'm pretty sure they're using it on us. Well, tell us about it. Um, so how they would do it. I don't know if you've ever been in a plane. Uh, if you look down at the structure of cities and stuff, um, it looks like, um, well, like your keyboard. You take that, the wiring mechanisms out and it, it's got these different structures on it. So that's what cities are, is they're strategically placed in certain areas as an energy frequency. So your house is literally your, I guess your matrix chamber. And if you have any kind of plugs or energy, if you pay an energy bill, they're literally retracting energy from you. And now that they have the smart uh, iRobots, they can time when you're sleeping, when you're not. Um, that's why they say, don't sleep with your cell phone next to you because those ones draw energy as well. And they kick on because they know your pattern. I've, but yeah, your home, uh, anything that has electricity, is it, it takes your energy and it knows who it's taking it from. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Well, it's my great pleasure to have Mary Beaver with us on Exopolitics today. Uh, welcome, Mary, to the show. Thank you. Well, Mary, I know you've done a few interviews, and for those that don't know anything about you, uh, you served in the U.S. Army for eight years, uh, and you specialized in linguistics and had a talent for the Phoenician language. And uh, you also got to see and experience some really interesting things uh, concerning uh, the Phoenician language, uh, concerning uh, giants. And all of this is what heightened it was the, the fact that at the end of your service, uh, you were ghosted. So first of all, let's begin with you as a child when you actually had these uh, special abilities uh, to, concerning the Phoenician language. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, so when everybody's born into the world, uh, you, we usually go through preschools and stuff like that. And um, school teachers or anybody that volunteers, whether they know it or not, um, are designed to 
find out information um, regarding that person's soul and what they're doing here. Because we all have a mission, right? We know this, but a lot of times we don't remember what the mission is because they end up wiping half your memories. <clears throat> so the valuable age is through four when they give you the first mind sweep. So during that time, they'll tell parents it's your imagination. Your child has a wide imagination, but we can see the different dimensions. We can see the beings in the different dimensions, the ones that are invisible. Um, and we can communicate and we talk about our missions that we're supposed to do here. And when I was growing up, I said I was here to fight God's war. <laughs> and so I came in with explicit information. My drawings were <clears throat> had a lot of detail with uh, languages. People identified that it was just scribbles. And um, so I was put in counseling. Uh, there was a lot of abuse, um, but I was part of the SSP and SSP are um, physically abused <clears throat> in order to become soldiers. And if you survive the abuse, because it can be pretty horrific, um, then you graduated into uh, being used into those programs. So between the, the ages four and seven, um, my grandmother was my handler and she allowed these beings, which looked human, but you could tell that they weren't if you had the ability to see past you know, the, the five second mask or the illusion of their appearance. Um, and they would take us to the deep space programs. <clears throat> I was genetically altered uh, with different things. And um, it goes by your gene code. So they give you different sequences um, of injections, uh, shock therapy, waves. They put you in chambers. There's a lot of different things that they've done to us that a lot of us don't have the memory of it, but your body still has the memory of it. So when you go through something and sometimes people are claustrophobic, it's because you were put into a simulator that was like shocking your body. Um, so you have your body has the trauma, but your mind is like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, <clears throat> so I do remember my grandma volunteering us because she was part of it. Uh, she was an Eastern Star Mason. And my grandfather was a Mason. So I was raised by the Illuminati Masonics. Um, and so, and we were used off world, um, mostly to guard uh, mineral planets, because that's huge is the minerals. If you have any minerals, then they want to keep it. Um, but, and you also have what you do here is what you did there everybody gets taken. It's not just people who are in a super soldier program. They need accountants in there. They need, you know, laborers, slaves, um, guides, navigators. Everybody is taken. Whether it, you could be taken for two to five years. You can be on a 20 and back, 100 and back. Nobody actually knows the extent of how long you've been out there for, but everybody on the planet has been taken. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. So I just wanted to kind of identify the special role that you're grandmother and grandfather played in identifying you and recruiting you because one of the things that you shared with me was that you have a connection to general walter beetle smith and uh, there's the the photo that you shared with me uh your your great uncle that's uh walter beetle smith on the left and your grandmother and grandfather in there so you want to explain who these people are yeah, so my grandma was um, born a Smith, and that's her half-brother, and my grandfather was born a Jones. Um, so I met my great-uncle when I went to D.C., but my, so my grandmother, she did contract work with the Department of Defense. Mary Singer is one of her idolized heroes. She believes in the um, calling of the herd, if you will. and. I was being raised to believe that's why we had to take humans out for a specific reason. Cause um, like they say now they're useless eaters and I was raised on a farm. So I kind of understood at the time why things needed to be called. Cause if you couldn't sell them and they were useless, they weren't breeders um, you put them in the freezer. Right. So that was the concept with why we had to eliminate um, uneducated beings and or humans um, and she was part of the, uh, the, um, the elimination of the Native Americans in Oklahoma 
And when I asked her, I was like, well, grandma, aren't you Native American? She's like, well, I didn't know at the time, <laughs> but we found out we're not Native American. We were just raised on the farms um, <clears throat> or the territories out there. So, so I just wanted to kind of like emphasize this, that that gentleman on the, the left there, uh, that's the former General Walter Beadle Smith, who okay. was... Uh, President Eisenhower's deputy during the Second World War, and uh, he, I think he got to four-star rank, but he was also uh, a CIA director from 1951, I believe, up, to, up until 1953. He was the CIA director. So here you have the former CIA director and assistant to President Eisenhower, who himself has a long pedigree in terms of extraterrestrial projects, with the two very people that you say kind of like identified you as someone of special abilities that they thought could be recruited. So, you know, this is important right. documentation. Well, supporting the one in the family. middle is his wife. My oh, grandma's see. not in that picture yet. Okay. But the, the, the man on the right is your is grandfather. my grandfather, yes. Okay. So so he's the, the Jones. Yes. I see. And the Smith. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's... That's very helpful um, just to kind of see that kind of background that shows because of what I found in doing this exopolitics research is that a lot of it is multi-generational yes. and typically you, you, you get parents or grandparents identifying children or grandchildren that have the abilities that could then be useful in those programs. So I think this really does support uh, what what you're saying that that you have that background so very very interesting. So you you have this um, connection to the former CIA director general Walter Biddle Smith. Um, he's your great grand uncle, and and your grandparents were related to him by marriage. And I guess one was I guess half he's related, the, yeah, half related, right? Um, and and then you decide. Well, at some point you decided to join the, the U.S. Army and you served for eight years. So you want to explain, you know, what, what happened um, during your teenage years and, and you actually enlisting in the Army? Well, why, why did you decide to join the Army? Um, I've always been different. Uh, I have Asperger's and that was one of the things that was identified when I was younger. Uh, it's a it's a higher form of intelligence. So, you know, when, when you have a diagnosis of mentally retarded, um, at the time, it, you're shunned upon. So I was hidden. A lot of people didn't know that I even existed. They thought my mom only had like two children instead of three. And, and when they found out, they were like, oh. <laughs> um, and I was picked on a lot. I had red, obviously red hair. And it was kind of like putting a black kid in the school in the 1920s. I was the only redhead. So I was beat up a lot, um, picked on and Finally, one day I turned around and I beat somebody up because he wouldn't leave me alone. And um, life was indifferent. So a lot of slave laboring on my side, we were worked very hard. And I always wanted to go into the military because structure seemed to be my thing. And being out in the world with people was hard because I was so different and people didn't understand me. So when September 11th hit, uh, I was able to go into the military. Um, before that, I couldn't because we, we we have a joke in our family. We come from the land of the giants because the tallest in our family is seven foot four and there's two of them. So and my grandma's six one. My the tallest aunt I have is six four. I'm pretty short <laughs> for my family. And um, so I, I do know about the giants and, um, what their part was here. Um, but when I got into the military, I went in as a human intelligence analyst and, um, I was supposed to go to Fort Hachuca, uh, and at the last minute after basic training, they gave me orders, uh, that I had to go to the linguist Academy because there was an overflow, um, of Intel. <clears throat> so, and since I had put on my application, I could, speak to Native American languages and write ancient Phoenician. Um, they sent me down there as a way to, I guess, deter it. But I didn't realize my grand, my father was went to Fort Hachuca. So I'm guessing somebody was there that knew him. And I would have asked a lot of questions, I think. So maybe that was their purpose of doing a last minute transfer. Um, 
but while I was in um, LDAC, that was the program I was in, and a lot of people don't realize that's even a program down in the Linguist Academy, but it's for unknown languages, like Africans have their, as a, as a native language for them, so it's not a world-known language, so when I put Native American and uh, Phoenician on my application, I went to that specific program, and they had to find Native Americans to come in um, test me. And then when they, it was time to test me for the Phoenician, I got flown out to DC and taken to base seven, um, which was a couple, I would say a couple layers underground, but nothing, I didn't see anything funny except for a green door. I did see an amazingly big green door and there was two guards on either side. And my great uncle told me never to go near those doors because I'll be shot if I don't have a specific patch on. And I've only seen that patch on one person and he was a very high level air force and it's a little patch it has a green door on it and it says behind the green door so I was like wow what's behind the green door <laughs> and my uncle uh, told me he was like things that would blow your mind so um I just took it as maybe there was nuclear weapons back there or something and but later it was revealed that's where they keep the secrets of the extraterrestrials and I kind of had a feeling about them, but I didn't take it as truth um, until I got to see some videos and stuff um, of interrogations of a lot of different aliens, not just the grays that you see floating out right now, but there was blue aliens. Um, there were a lot of different like white alien, like really pale white aliens, bald. Some had like things coming off their head. I don't know what you would call those, maybe like feathers, but not feathers. So I got to see quite a few things after I um, got a Majestic and a um, Cosmic Clearance, but never well, physically seen it. That's, that's fascinating. So your knowledge of uh, two Native American languages and Phoenician, I mean, was that something that you just had, just that you remembered it, you, you could speak it or you could recognize the language, or, or did you do anything to familiarize yourself with any of that? The Native American language was inspired by the uh, World War II um, uh, Apaches. And I figured if I was ever going to be in a field and overseas in a war, I wanted to be able to, I guess, send messages back to our country in the event of capturing um, without them being infiltrated. Because I also took, uh, I was in the, uh, in the beginning, the special skills program. So through Joint Special Operations, um, so I trained with the, uh, well, in 2006, they merged, let's put it this way, they merged human intel, psych intel, and cyber intel. So I was human intel, and we got to train with the other two, um, not mastered those, but we got a little bit. So I know a little bit of cyber intel, so I got to see how they infiltrated messages um, from uh, different areas. Um, so I, I never wanted my messages to be infiltrated. And if they did, I didn't want anybody to be able to read them or decipher them. But if I was able to get messages back to our homeland in the event that I was ever deployed, um, then they would be able to decipher it because they could go to the reservations and say, hey, what is this? But I also wrote them in Phoenician and not many people know Phoenician. I was told there was only six or eight of us, but I didn't realize um, that there were they don't know the ancient Phoenician because I just recently found out ancient Phoenician is different than the paleo Phoenician, which is what they have. So when I got tested, the Pope came out. I didn't get to meet the Pope, but um, I went into one of the underground, the underground base seven, there was a big chamber, had all these scrolls and books. Um, and, you know, you go in and look at old newspapers. I don't remember what those are called, but you get to see old newspaper clippings and they had them all scanned in. Um, and I was trying to decipher. I was like, I don't know what this says. And the general was like, well, you put it on your application so you could transcribe this. And I was like, I don't, I, well, this is Phoenician, but I don't know what it says. It's not the Phoenician I know. And he got frustrated and he was like, well, keep working. And he came back a few hours later and said they were going to do an extended stay um, with me in DC that they had to bring out different scrolls. So these were more of the biblical kind of ones you would see with Christ and stuff like that. So I got to learn more about what happened there. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, there's, I learned that day that there's different types of Phoenician. So the stuff that you guys see on um, online and stuff, that's paleo and Hebrew, or which would be considered Anunnaki Phoenician. 
the Phoenician I know is a lot older than that. It's 75,000 years old. Um, and then I was just recently introduced to an older version um, that was about 120,000 years old. So Phoenicians considered the first language of human beings on the planet. So if you can find that timeline, that's where the gen kind of come in. So, but yeah, the, the military part, they found that I was extremely valuable and that's why I wanted to speak the different languages, but I wanted unknown languages in the event of I was ever captured that I could give locations without them being infiltrated. Well, I know that's very important in the covert world to have uh, people skilled in communications, whether it's in ancient languages or, or tele telepathy, to have these people uh, being part of, of the project. So, so you spent eight, eight years total in the U.S. Army, and, and, and during that time you got to serve in some very interesting places. You, you mentioned Base 7 and you saw extraterrestrials there. Um, and this is in the Washington, D.C. area, so... It's outside of it. So Washington, D.C. is considered base one. So um, they have an underground base under the Capitol Hill. So it's like headquarters. They probably moved it a few times, but Area 51 used to be considered headquarters until Eisenhower um, put in a proclamation that they had to be... Uh, viewed every year and inspected so now it's what they call inspection ready um and they, a lot of the bad stuff doesn't happen there anymore it normally happens in area 54 which is down by san francisco la area mm -hmm. okay now um so you you got to do some 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 work with uh different groups within the, the military now you you mentioned to me that you actually got to do some work with the Delta Force. So exactly what did you do with them? One of my MOSs was a double O Delta, which are considered assassins. So I was an assassin, but not like people think. It's kind of like when you go in and you want to be an interrogator, you discover there's like a hundred different titles to interrogations. And because um, that was what I wanted to be was a linguist interrogator. Um but I didn't get to, you know, rough anybody up like they do. That's an officer's position. And they didn't, your recruiter never told us that. So I was a little disappointed. Um, so with the double O Delta, um, it's kind of like the movie double O seven. They just changed the number to, or the, uh, the letter to the number. And a lot of times you're just running in, getting information. You're sneaky about it. And you're a soldier of one pretty much is what the logo was. Um, and I'm not going to confirm or deny that anybody got hurt, but, you know, it's, it's a nasty place. I had to get stuff back to headquarters and um, I can remove obstacles pretty quickly. Uh, and I never checked to make sure that they were alive or not, because the point is to get out with what you can, because that could be what saves the country. Or so we thought. Well, you did send me some um, photos and, and documents, a newspaper story here about um, your your grandfather and yes. also, also of your father and you, like three genera three generations of you in the in the I guess the U.S. Army. So you, you want to tell us about uh, these three? Well, you know, you being one, and then the, your father and grandfather. You want to tell us about that? Yes. Um, so my grandfather, Andrew Vernon, um, or Vernon Andrews, I'm sorry. Um, he was obviously in World War II. And um, this article had come out because he had been shot at his whole platoon, from my understanding, because um, I don't really talk much to that other side of the family. Um, but the, the story that I got um, based off this article. And then I did some research, uh, while I was in the military. Um, he infiltrated one of Hitler's stronghold generals and, uh, bases. Um, and he was just a sergeant. Well, his lead sergeant had been shot and killed and him and I believe six other men, they said there might've been a couple of others, but they may not have made it at the end. Um, out of a whole 160 or 30, uh, soldiers infiltrating the space. Um, once they secured it, uh, it was what they was in the base that was fascinating, but they don't talk about it obviously in this article. Um, but that's where our whole family on that side, uh, I guess became part of the majestic group. 
um, in the the Masonic part of the Andrews uh, was because he they came across the spaceships that they were reverse engineering and um, my grandfather was able to I guess see those and a lot of the stuff that they did with aliens uh, it wasn't just humans they were obviously cutting open and experimenting on um, but they had uh, contacts with aliens and uh, they had come across some Dracos that they were able to shoot away, um, but they fled from my understanding. And then my grandfather or my father uh, worked in Area 51 and he worked on the train down there from Base 51 to Alaska. And I'm the only one that was able to obtain a copy of his DD-214, but that does not have that information in there. It's, a, it's one that's been obviously edited. And, <clears throat> but from the stories that I was given from my mom and his engineering mind was just, he would talk about the train that was about a foot off the ground. It didn't touch it and it would just fly through the underground bases. Um, like at light speed, but you wouldn't be affected by the, the speed of it. So whatever he saw down there uh, after the few years, I don't know if he was introduced to the Draconians or not, um, but he started building an army against, my father did an army against the government. Um, and he was, he was successful at um, stealing five from five to six truckloads of military weapons off of a military depot. He was caught with one, so he spent prison time for that. Mm -hmm. And and of course, uh, that person at the at the bottom left in that photo is um, is is you. That's yes. Bottom left, that's you. In uh, so when was that taken? Was that uh, soon after you, um, you you completed basic training, or when was that photo taken? Of no, you? I I did basic training in two thousand one. That was that picture was taken when we just switched over from the camos to the digitals. So we didn't have any of our shamrocks or anything yet. I just that was the day we had to wear our digital, so I didn't have any of my pins and stuff on there. But um, I believe that was two thousand six or two thousand seven. Okay, uh, but yeah. So I, I don't didn't normally take pictures because back then we weren't allowed to wear makeup and I don't like taking photos without makeup because I have transparent ivory eyes and it's people think I look sick if I don't have makeup on. So <laughs> now I just want to clarify um, in this uh, story here, this is talking about your one of your grandfathers, Vernon Andrews, Correct. and the other grandfather was, was the Jones, Jones yes. th th that we talked about in the earlier photo who was uh, seated next to his, uh, I guess, um, brother-in-law, brother yeah. Yeah, General uh, Bettle Smith. Okay, so both of your grandfathers essentially were connected to all of this. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know you sent me also another document, which I, I think is very helpful because it just kind of like goes to prove uh, what, what it is that you're saying is, is actually uh, accurate. Here's a, a document you sent me of your your father's military service. Yes. Right. So so there we go. So that's um, Stephen Andrews. Correct. Okay. So and and it's very interesting. You you want to explain why it was that they restricted some of this information from you? Um. Well, actually, the whole thing was restricted from anybody getting a copy. I was just fortunate enough because I was in and I had to get a particular security clearance. Um, so my, uh, my unit sergeant had to go and request it. So that's the only reason I got a restricted copy, but nobody else in our family can get one. Um, it's kind of like the same with mine is he was under the privacy act, but we weren't the, the laws changed when we went into joint special operations. Um, so, but yeah, I was getting a um, crypto level 14 gold need to know uh, majestic and cosmic clearance. And they even, uh, if I could find the document, but I, I also had to get a copy of my name change because I was born Andrews, 
Mary Margaret Andrews. And in 1991, a federal judge secretly changed it to Mary Margaret Jones. And nobody in my family knew. I didn't even know. Um, we just went by Jones um, because my mom was getting a divorce from my dad. And because of his, whatever he saw down in Area 51, um, it freaked him out. So he was dangerous. And he had kidnapped at one point my brother and I during a visitation. We were recovered, obviously, but um, he had, he was one of the ones that tried to kill me because he said it was an abomination out of Area 51. And um, so, yeah, it was interesting growing up. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to read out for the for the viewers uh, one of the sentences in this uh, official document you got from the National Archives. And the second sentence says, well, well thank you for contacting the National Personnel Records Centre. We are providing the releasable military service information based on restrictions imposed by the military services consistent with the Department of Defence regulations and the provisions in the Freedom of Information Act. So it, it is saying that when it comes to your father's records, there are restrictions uh, imposed on that, which is not the norm. That right. says that well, he was involved in some pretty kind of sensitive stuff, which is exactly what you're saying. Right. So, yeah, so I was kind of shocked to see that too. But on the actual DD-214, it doesn't show anything. It, it You can see that it's been typed out differently as an edited one, it's kind of like your birth certificate. You have a short version of your birth certificate and then you have a long version. The long version is the one that they don't tell you about that has more detailed information like what your race is, who the doctor, the nurse is, everybody that was involved in your birth um, on it. And the short version just says where you were born, who your parents are, and that's it. So with the military, these ones are the short version and then you have the long version, which would be the one that obviously we wouldn't get a hold of because it would show what he did. Um, but he's supposedly uh, guarding the missiles in Alaska. But again, the stories I got were a little different than guarding missiles. <laughs> he might have been guarding the portal up there <laughs> mm -hmm. so that the missiles were aiming at. But I don't know. OK, so your father's involved in very sensitive stuff and his uh, military mm -hmm. records are restricted even to even to family members. Again, very, right. uh, very unusual um, now, in your case, uh, you served eight years in the army, uh, so you got to spend time um, in, in very sensitive projects. You want to talk about the time you spent at uh, Area Fifty One? I think uh, you you saw some things there. At Area this is during your your service, your military service, right? You were at Area Fifty One or, or S Four. No, those were before. Those are during the SSP programs. Um, okay. We're in a couple different bases. Um, the ones. And I believe it was Area 51, but again, it could have been uh, 53 or 54. Um, but at the under one of the underground chambers is extremely huge. And there's two pillars, like kind of like the one that is in Washington, D.C., the big, tall um, monument. Those aren't monuments. Those are energy beacons. So um, the one down below, and it was... It was huge. In the background, you had these stairs that climbed up on uh, the back of the flat mountain and there was a door. And um, up there was either some type of high level officer who stood over us. Um, but it was myself and one other uh, being, he almost looked like powder uh, from the movie, really white, no hair. He was like in white robes. Um, and then myself on another one. And these towers were very spaced apart like for, they were huge and on the other one had Samaritan language on it and then the one I was at had Phoenician language on it so they would use us um, to open this portal and it's a huge portal um, or a gateway whatever you want to call it and we'd have to put our hand on our heart and then the other hand here and we could activate this tower and but we would black out as soon as the as soon as the the portal opened. But we could see the material that it was made out of. It was kind of neat. But then you we black out, so we couldn't see what was coming in and out of that portal. Um, and then a lot of those memories uh, were erased. So, but that's those were one of my underground experience. And the other one, I did get to see a giant. Um, he was massive. He was kind of a light blue, uh, white hair, and like kind of, I would say they were green, hazel, but blue at the same time, um, eye color, but he wasn't moving. He was just laying on the ground. And there was this reversed T 
Tesla technology cage over him. It was just hovering over him. I mean, he wasn't moving, but you could see, I guess, his essence. They were drawing out his essence, his life and whatever, um, instead of enhancing it. They were reverse engineering his soul away or whatever giants have. Um, and they told us, but it was very sad to see that because obviously that one's not here anymore, but I got to see one of those and it was devastating. But yeah, you can't get close to those particular type of angels um, because you'll explode. So so tell us, how, how tall was this giant? Uh, he was, I don't even know because he's laying down. Uh, I would say at least 20, 30 feet. Wow, that's that's quite tall. And yeah. I mean, he was was he thin? Was he robust? No, very thin, very thin. Uh, looked almost to the point of starvation. But again, I don't know how long he had been in that chamber. Um, there was no chains or any restrictions on him. They, I don't know if they kept him drugged or what they did, but uh, you could just see this the light kind of energy coming sucking out of him like water waves into this tesla machine mm -hmm. so i mean you know what they're doing but they sit there and they tell you these guys are evil and they're trying to kill you but when they're laying there looking at you lifeless it's like <laughs> is that really what i would too i mean if somebody was trying to kill you wouldn't you want to try to kill them back i mean isn't that called self-defense so well, that's 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 fascinating um you know that that case with the giant um so his life force was being drained out of him so they they were intending to to kill him right um, but you know this was some kind of experiment as well seeing how well their technology used on these beings right and i'm pretty sure they're using it on us to be honest okay. with you okay uh, well um well, tell us about it. I mean, how how were they using that technology on, on you or or other? Because you, you were a child at this time. This is before your army service. Right, yeah, and they age progress us, yeah. Um, so how they would do it, I don't know if you've ever been in a plane. Uh, if you look down at the structure of cities and stuff, um, it looks like, uh, what do you call those? Um, well, like your keyboard, you take that the the wiring mechanisms out and it, it's got these different structures on it so that's what cities are is they're strategically placed in certain areas as an energy frequency so your house is literally your i guess your matrix chamber and if you have any kind of plugs or energy if you pay an energy bill they're literally retracting energy from you and now that they have the smart uh i robots they can time when you're sleeping, when you're not. Um, that's why they say don't sleep with your cell phone next to you because those ones draw energy as well. And they kick on because they know your pattern. I've never been a pattern person. And I, my grandfather, he used to run uh, moonshine back in the day with his father and brothers. So they never took the same path twice in the same day. So nobody could catch up to them. Um, so I kind of picked up the same concepts and even in my own house, I don't have a strict pattern. Everyone's like, you're just so unpredictable. And I was like, right. <laughs> so nobody could catch me. <laughs> Why would you want people to be able to know your patterns? So, but yeah, your home, uh, anything that has electricity is it, it takes your energy and it knows who it's taking it from because we have energy signatures. Um, which is our soul, obviously, and they keep track of our souls. So they know who they can take it from and who they can't. And that's why we're so tired and children are so amped up because children embrace our energy. We, we naturally uh, get energy from each other. But when we're so tired and exhausted because we're children are giving us their energy because they want to play and then they're taking it because we're enhanced by our children, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you were age progressed. So, so when did that happen? Between four and seven is I've, I've been on five uh, um, progressions and regressions. So you want to explain what, what happened uh, during one of these uh, age uh, progressions and regressions? Yeah, they take us through. Uh, so as a child, you know, obviously my grandma took us or allowed them to take us. And 
Um, we were taken to the underground bases and it's kind of like Disneyland. There's doors. Those are usually the sorting chambers, but these, these doors you go through. So I was in um, MK Delta and so I'd go back through that door and they'd bring us into what looked like um, a big room area. It's all white, lots of uh, just regular chairs, no tables. And then we would go into these pods and they would zap us with age progression. So we would come out as an adult of a certain age. Um, men can usually only do it, uh, once or twice. A third jump would start to deteriorate their body because men can't naturally heal themselves. But I found out how they were, uh, women were being able to age progress more than them. They take our future children as like energy collateral. So a lot of the miscarriages we have are pre-planned because they know our, their whole future outlook because they can look through the looking glass. So they, they age progressed you at, at that period between four and seven to whatever age that they wanted. And mm-hmm. so then you got to serve how long uh, in the COVID programs? Uh, there's no set. Uh, a lot of people think it's just the 20 and backs, but you could be out there for 100 years. Uh, they, I mean, they have the med bed technology and all of it. And technically we're supposed to live about a thousand years. So when you come back and you're like 20 years old and you feel like you're 80, it's because you have been, your body has physically been used for that amount of time. So technically I could be 120,000 years old. I could be 2000 years old, but I, nobody knows unless you have access mm-hmm. to those records. Okay. So uh, now one of the things that's other who have been part of these secret space programs and gone through the age regression, age progression process described that seems to be two ways that it happens the one is that you've as you've explained it that the physical body as a youngster is actually age progressed to whatever Mm -hmm. age and then you get to serve and and then they age regress you bring you back and then they can do it all over again a number of times i guess you're saying men can do it up to a maximum of three times but women can do it maybe four or five times before there's some sort of cellular dna degradation um, and the, the other way that others have talked about is that your consciousness is transferred into a clone body and that the clone lives and does all these things and then when the, when the clone is done or it's, it, it comes back and either goes into the original body uh, or it goes into another clone and off you go doing it again. So right. I've heard it, of those. I don't have, I do have clones, um, but I've never, I've always been used in my body. Uh, the military did take uh, DNA from me uh, several times, but well, every month for the eight years. Uh, and I, I was told I had clones, but I've never seen them. When I went, I went in my physical body. Uh, but yes, I do know about the clones. But yeah, uh, a lot of people do talk about the clones. So I was not a clone, one that would leave uh, my my soul body. So, But the clone was there as a backup in case, for I think example, so, yeah. you, you know, you get killed on a mission, somehow they, they would be able to transfer your consciousness from the dying body or the dead body into the, into the clone. I mean, is that the way it works? I think so, yeah. I've never, I don't have memory of the clones. I have memory of some of them being used like right now for this war, but those are only in dreams. So I, I don't know um, how they would astro project your soul into one. Um, I just know there has to be an essence of your soul in the clone to activate it, but it's not as strong as the original. Um, so I think that a lot of these clones were confiscated by the white hats and are being used uh, or have been used in the last war for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know how many clones I had. Some people do, but I never did. I just knew I had them. Okay, so you you uh, would would serve for whatever it was, twenty years, and then they would age regress you back. Um, yeah. And so so when they did it for the final time, they were they age regressed you back to you know four seven years whatever whatever age you were the, the final time because you said you did several. Right. They take you back to the day you left. Yeah. So they took you back to the day you left. So what did you remember of your, yeah, at that time as a 
four-year-old, five-year-old? What, what did well, you when they sent us back, uh, me, I, I know my experience, I don't know other people, but they would, um, they would inject you with a different upgrade, if you will. Because a lot of the, um, you're, they would, obviously you're out there for a long time. So when you come back, they'd have to upgrade you for the next one, but they can't, your SSP would fight you. Uh, if you were doing something so that it didn't like, because it, it's that it's that consciousness that they it just comes out when it has to defend itself. Um, so they would inject us or me, and then send us back, and then we would be like the terrible twos or the terrible fours. It would be a fight. Now, the, when they sent me back to five and a half years old, was when they injected me with a uh, a jaguar mutation. Um, and that's where I was diagnosed mentally retarded and uh, with severe ADHD was the, super, the SSP can't come out in a child because it's an adult, right? So when you're put back into a child form, it's just really bad behaviors. Like I lost, I uh, couldn't talk, was nonverbal. Um, I fought everybody. I would run away and come back. And it was, it was intense because I was fighting myself. And, but it was really fighting this mutation upgrade that they put on us. And then when they would take us again in a few, uh, a year or two, we would be, the mutation would have taken over the cells and it would have, it enhances the SSP part of you to do the missions. So they never just sent you back. They would always upgrade you. The only time they sent you back was when your last jump. So then they didn't mutate you with anything. So if I understand it correctly, then, so between the ages of four to seven, they would age progress you, age regress you, bring you back to four and a half. And then maybe when you're five, they do it again, take you off, bring you back. And maybe when you're six, you know, they do it again. Well, that, yeah, so that's fascinating. So you thought they did it to you like up to five times in that three-year period? I mean, that's that's a lot. But it would that's be a lot for the, anyone to the the gentleman that's deprogramming me from the space program i can't give his name out because he still works down there but he started deprogramming me in 2019 and that was an interesting fight because when he would call he was trying to find my deprogramming words because we all have them and i i would get angry because he wasn't i didn't know who he was there was a dc number <laughs> and i'm like who are you i don't want you people leave me alone and uh finally he did get it and it's like I froze. Like, I was like, oh my God, okay, I have to listen to this guy. Uh, so he said who he was and he said he was, he had to start deprogramming me. So he told me a lot. And then I had a brain aneurysm. <clears throat> and this was in uh, the brain aneurysm happened a week or two before my birthday in June 2019. Um, and that's a, an overload of information because I was downloading too much. So we have kill switches in our brains. And if we end up figuring things out too quickly, that's the government's way of not having to send somebody. They just try to kill you internally. Um, and I was able to survive the brain aneurysm without any damage. Uh, but I'm also a biotechnical civilian scientist. So while it was occurring, I didn't realize what it was. I injected myself with some white cells and was able to drive myself to the hospital. And then all this, my memory just started flooding in. Um, but I do talk to this individual on occasion and he'll give me more information. And uh, sometimes he's the, the one that shocked me the most is he said, I could start going on and talking to you guys about some of this stuff. And I was like, well, what happens if they come after me? And he's like, ah, you know what to do. And I'm like, I don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> I'm done. So, but the last operative they sent after me was in 2019 as well. But he was he was he was good. He got close. Uh, the only one that ever got that close to me. So and it's a it's actually fell spilled over into the civilian world. So it's a 37 minute 911 phone call that was recorded, and the entire sheriff's department was up there and two veterans fighting it out. So and he just was all blacked out and just kept repeating, "I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rid the world of you." <laughs> it was very esoteric and. I'm laughing at him like, do we need to get you some help? <laughs> yeah, very, very frightening. Yeah. So in, in, so you, you went through the SSPs in, yeah, in that period as a, as a youngster. You're diagnosed with Asperger's, which I, I guess is uh, considered a disability in some ways, but in other ways it kind of heightens your abilities. So, so I, I guess that 
maybe it heighten your ability to be able to recognize and read uh, ancient languages such as Phoenician? Um, I was actually born with it. Uh, not from this time. And I know that sounds weird. I was created in the time of Christ, uh, whatever real era that was. Um, and King Herod was um, killing off all the apostles. And the aliens are not allowed to interfere with timelines, um, already active timelines. And I don't know when this project started, uh, but they, I do know that they go back or they did. I don't know if they still do. They go back into the past and they take unborn fetuses from parents who are going to die. So my mother was actually killed, uh, by the, um, what do they call them? The Knights Templar, seven of them. And I was able to see it as I was pulled out and the whole uterine and the sac and the fluid. And then we hyperjumped. And then I was in Area 51. That was one of my oldest experiences. Um, so I just know that the King Herod did a deal with the aliens uh, to wipe out the, the apostles and the Christ bloodline and anybody that had anything to do with it. Um, so there were several unborn children, I think about seven of us who were brought to, I would say this era. I don't know the exact timeline if it was my year, but there may, there's at least seven of us that I know of. So the, when you say you were part of that era of, of the apostles and uh, the extraterrestrials were, I guess we're talking about a negative faction of extraterrestrials, right? We're not talking all extraterrestrials, we're talking a negative faction right. of trying to eliminate the the Christ bloodline, the Mary Magdalene bloodline, if you like. And and you were kind of like a part of that. And you were so after that or some at some point you were brought into this era and born in this era. Yeah. And so my understanding of the how the other ones were is they were put into the incubators. Um I don't, I think I was hidden. I don't, again, I don't know. I just, I know that I wasn't put in the incubators. And then those ones were adopted into the Illuminati families. Um, I was actually placed in my mother. And so there was no adoption record. Uh, I don't know if they made it seem like I died during the transfer or something. Um, I just know that I've just been a huge secret for a very long time. Uh, but yeah, I was implanted into my mom. And that's why I think my father tried to kill me because he said I was an abomination from Area 51. But we have to have a genetic make to the person we're put in. Obviously, you can't just throw it into anybody. We have to be genetically connected. Mm -hmm. now, now, you've described Phoenician, uh, something that you've recognized all your life and could read yes. and write it, as the language of the gods. So... You, you want to elaborate? Yeah, you know, which gods are we talking about? Are we talking about a group of extraterrestrials? Are we talking about the Anunnaki? Who who are you talking about? The language of the gods? Well, there's a lot of gods. There's thousands of them. I come from the the prime bloodlines. Um, so, if you really go back into the Phoenician, um, there was more than just the Anunnaki uh, and the Paleos. Those were those three races. I would say were more on Cain's uh bloodline but the anunnaki are not exactly the friendliest people that we think they are um they're the reason a lot of this world was infiltrated with the uh reptilians the, the negative evil reptilians um and that's i don't know if that'll ever come out but it's written in the phoenician bloodlines or the the temples about who actually conquered this world and destroyed it um but so the the prime there's there's the primes um i mean i don't know if that's if they use that with the the movie uh transformers but i, I do come from a prime bloodline um but there's thousands of gods um and it's whoever created us now we each territory has different creator gods and i don't know if you watch some of um James Rinks, he had a Dr. Um, Johnny Delirious on there, and I went on with one of those 
uh, with some of his tablets that they found in New Mexico. Well, those are creator tablets and keys. So they had sent them to me to see if I couldn't transcribe some of them. And some of them had an older version of the Phoenician. And there was a, um, I can't say that person's name, but he was a master. A uh, very high level master who was given um, an even older tablet uh, to protect him, and it had some older Phoenician on it. So we actually stem from the Phoenician realm um, of, I would say, creation here. I don't know exactly what gods were part of the Phoenician creation, but it was more of a pure bloodline of the creator god, uh, his second wife. And the first wife is the one that created more of the, the good and evil in balance, not intentionally, but when you're first creating life in a, in a universe, um, you have to have the good and evil, right? The yin and the yang. So the second wife was more of balance and creation. Um, and that's where Yahweh, Yeshua um, come in. They're more of the positive, not the negative. So that's my current understanding of the different things. If you look at a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree is actually what our universe looks like. Each spike of a Christmas tree, because when it starts off as the seed of life and it grows, it has one spike on it and then three or four more come up. And then with each branch is a spike. That's what our galaxy, our universe looks like is all these spikes, our planets, galaxies, and worlds, and some fall. Obviously, we have needles on the ground, right? They'll die and they'll fall, but it'll keep generating. So a Christmas tree is kind of like what our universe looks like. And at the very top is the creator of it. I remember when you first got in touch with me, you, you shared some Phoenician script and I showed it Correct. to my army source, JP, and he recognized it. He said he saw it that Phoenician script that you sent me on one of the arcs in, I think it was the, the Atlantic arc that's right. at the bottom of the Atlantic ocean there. So I, I don't know if you remember that, but you want to just explain what that script was that you sent? It talks about the creation of life on the seventh day. There was, you know, light and man. And it's just the, the, it's a biblical verse that has been translated into um, what we know today. Um, but it has the, the arcs have to do with life. They're living, um, they have a soul and, but they're an angelic soul. Each soul is, has an opportunity to be able to go into a vessel. We don't know what those vessels look like. It could be grass. It could be a tree. It could be an animal. It could be us, but souls can actually go into what we would think is machinery. So the arcs, um, as you and I had talked before, if they were the arcs described in the Bible, it wasn't a boat. It was a ship, like a real ship, spaceship, craft. And the, the ancients, which are still alive today, um, were the ones who master architected it. But it was the group of people, the Samaritans, you know, the ancient, um, what would you call the Hispanic, the Latin ones, uh, the Africans, all those languages should be on some of these ships because they were the architects. So they would leave their blueprint and it tells you who can activate or access these ships. Now we all are part of the ancients um, somewhere down the line, uh, but you can only have one captain. There's very few captains um, that can man the ships. Anybody can go on them, even the Illuminati, which can't activate it. Only captains can activate it, what they would see as a captain. So it had to be a shared bloodline, somebody who was a certain percentage of the ancient DNA. Well, I, I know that uh, a group of Aztecs went into that arc in the Atlantic Ocean and they recognized the writing on the wall. So, yeah, you're absolutely correct that uh, these ancient cultures and their scripts, their languages are imprinted on the walls of these arcs and there are many arcs dispersed around the planet. And I assume there's probably one with that the Aztecs were involved in, some ancient Aztec civilization, and then you have the Sumerians and the Phoenicians. So, yeah, very very important. And there's about 75. Sorry, how many? There's about 75. 75 arcs on the earth yeah. that, that you know of, that you were told? How do you know that? Um, it's more of a feeling from the, the mother one. And that the biggest one is should be between 
Pacific and uh, Russia. Um, the biggest one is out there. There's more out there, but in the land, like in Southern America, there's quite a few down there in the um, the jungles and stuff. If they start rising, they're going to start seeing it. The trees and dirt and stuff are obviously going to fall off. They're going to be like floating cities. Um, but yeah, when they settled down, life created around it to cover it up. But yeah, from my understanding and feeling from the mothership was 75. Well, I, I know there's quite a, it seems like there's a few people coming into that area that you're, you're at. So, so maybe I should kind of try to wrap it up. I, I did want to just kind of like come back to uh, your, your military service um, that you served for eight years. And obviously you've had a lot of amazing experiences. You, you had all of those secret space program experiences as, as a youngster, your, your grandparents were involved, your parents. Or your father was involved and 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 so there's a lot of mystery around your background and even during your your military service itself when you were being taken to places to look at Venetians so you you applied to the national archives for a record of your for for your military records and I thought it was very interesting what you sent me that to hear you are You've served in the uh, U.S. Army for eight years, and they sent you back. Uh, oops, that's the wrong one. Uh, let me <laughs> let me bring up the other one. Uh, I think this is the one. Here we go. So, yeah. So, so there, here you, you have you applying for your military records, Mary Jones, that's what you enlisted under. Correct. Got your social security number there and all of that. And it says, uh, well, thank you for contacting the National Personal Records Center, a search of our registry and the electronic record system maintained by the military service department using the name and social security number which you provided when was negative. So how can that be? What, what What's happening here that you are applying for your military service? We saw you in uniform. Um, you you remember being in the army for eight years? Why why aren't they sending you your records? Um, because I was ghosted. Uh, <clears throat> I was arrested in a civilian setting um, over in Georgia. I was incarcerated for 108 days, and um, they said that they tried to put felony charges of my name not being Mary Jones and I'm like I had all my military records my uh the reason why I was there my cat card my Capitol Hill pass all my clearances my license uh birth certificate <laughs> I gave it all to them and what it was is the reason they the military did that was because I was sent after somebody who was going to go public with some information and they they said that he was a rogue and a spy and you know you can't say that to a soldier because you know we're going to go after somebody who's trying to tear down our country well he was like the third one that we had to get information from and uh when I found him and I approached him he said something to me and I don't know if maybe that was where I first started like really deprogramming he said I'm not your enemy and I was like well why don't we go back and you know talk this out like I had my script you know it just like flowed out of my mouth like let's go talk it out we'll find out what you are you know and what you're doing with the sensitive information and he was uh some other words were exchanged and he was like well you know I'm not going and I was like well then you know how this ends and obviously I'm still here so um there was information in that packet and I don't normally open packets but I did at that time uh I had this like really strong pulling to see what this guy was trying to go public with and it was the demise of America pretty much and how they were going to do it and step by step and I was pervious to some of the documents but they didn't make it sound so horrible than what this guy had. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this was heavy stuff. I, I don't want to say it because they'll probably take this video down if I did. So I, uh, I started questioning everything uh, to the general and other people. And so I was arrested um, by Hughes's men and Hughes's men are worse than Blackwater. Blackwater are usually veterans, but Hughes's men, I, I think are serial killers. And they just, they'll pull a baby out of somebody and strangle the mom with the vocal cord or umbilical cord. So they're, they're very evil, evil people with no souls or nothing. 
Um, so I was captured by them. Can you say that name again? Hughes's? I haven't heard the, of that. Yeah, Hughes's group. Hughes. Oh, the Hughes's group. Okay. Okay. Right. It's a it's a secret military or government, whatever assassins. I have no idea what they are, but they're not friendly at all. Uh, one you can identify him pretty quickly. Uh, but Blackwater, everybody knows about Blackwater. So there's a few divisions like that. But at that time, with me, the Hughes's group was. Um, directly under the CIA's use and everything else. So I was interrogated and arrested a few times and um, I told them I had a kill switch and they should just get it over with. And I wish I could survive to see the look on their face when everything's exposed. So my uncle was called in at that point. He asked me if I had that kill switch. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, if I walk out of here, you guys aren't willing to mess with that, are you? I didn't walk out. I was actually gurneyed out because I was pretty messed up. And I was in the rest in the hospital for quite a while uh, to recover from those damages. Um, so they couldn't kill me because I had this kill switch uh, that they didn't want to find out if I was actually being truthful or not. Um, and it has, there's signatures of very high level people, confessions, pretty much everything that I ever did was in these packets that got sent to five different countries all over the world who are not friendly to America anyways. So um, they needed to get rid of me. And the only way you can get rid of somebody else was, I guess, to ghost them. So we just, there's a few of us. I've met quite a few ghosts. Um, To my recollection, what I Googled, uh, there's 183,000 of us. And I Googled that like eight years ago. So there's probably more. Well, Mary, um, really amazing information that, that you've been able to share. And, um, you know, those documents that you sent me uh, definitely support, the, you know, your, your story. So uh, definitely I look forward to, to hearing more. And if you get more documents, if, if more material comes out, uh, I would love to hear more. So where, so where do people go if they want to you know, if, get in touch with you or they want to learn more about you? Um, my current email address, the one that you have, uh, would be a good one um, to reach out to right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of changes um, coming. Hopefully, maybe I can share later, but right now it's it's pretty high up there that <laughs> I can't really talk about. We've already lost somebody uh, over it, so... Well, I definitely have uh, more questions for you, but I think that, that might have to wait for, for uh, another time or maybe okay. uh, you don't, we don't have uh, so many kind of external interferences. So I right, no, I apologize for that. I, I had my other headset. I couldn't find it. So I took my my kid's gaming set and I'm like, does it, does it work? And I'm like, does it cancel out noise? And they're just like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, darn it. So again, I apologize. Wasn't expecting the internet to go out. Well, 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 thank you for, for coming forward and having the courage to share your information you. and being part of this incredible transformation we're witnessing all over the planet and awakening. Yes, thank you, I'm excited. I'm glad that it's, it's happening. It's overdue. I didn't think it was going to go down this route, but I see the positives in it now. So it's still something worth fighting for, even though it seems like we're still getting into the, the, the down and dirty of it all. But yeah, thank you for allowing me to come on your show. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.